back to Cinema Wheeler today. It's uh, Sean, Tony, and Scott once again. Hey. hey. And we're joined by a really good friend of ours. Not that we never have a really good friend of ours on, but he is especially a good friend of ours. Uh, he is an extraordinarily talented actor slash improviser mm-hmm. uh, from the trip Fake Bacon, John Kuhn. Hey. hey. <laughs> well, thanks for having me out, guys. Oh, anytime. Anytime. Hey, I hear he's a good contractor, too, in the... Oh yes. yeah! If you need and a, a proud father too. That's right, father too, and I'll you know tear down your house and build it again for you. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Up, up and blow it down, right, John? And rebuild right. it. Right, exactly. I carry have a couple of wolves that come every single time I do demolition. Absolutely. Either wolf so it's eco friendly, essentially, right? You just right. have an eco friendly business. That's right. Go green. You want an eco friendly contractor? <laughs> this I'm is sorry, your man. That's a new tagline, John. You should use that. Go green, go yeah. coon. There's go. always room for coon, right? Pretty, exactly. <laughs> he just coined you a new phrase. I'm pretty right sure there. Joe Moore is not liking that very well. Did he do your tagline? J U H N. No, he doesn't like it when I do say things like, let's. Go to Coon Town. Or, <laughs> um, welcome to the world of Coon. <laughs> well, this is his loss as far as I'm concerned. So, our gain. He has every right to not like that. That's right. Context is everything in those jokes. Oh, it is. Sure is. It is. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, so, speaking of language, uh, this movie today, I think that's as awkward a segue as you can find, but it still works. Uh, language is a character of its own. Yeah, yes. and especially in this movie, and especially with this director. Uh, we're going to be covering Martin Scorsese's, uh, what is widely considered his masterpiece by a lot of critics, Raging Bull. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it came out in 1980, uh, and I think it received mixed reviews when it was first released, believe it or not. And it but over time, uh, it's considered, I think, not only Scorsese's masterpiece, you know, kind of consent, you know, as, a, as a consensus, but it's considered one of the greatest American movies ever made. Um, I take it some of the female critics probably didn't approve of it at the time. <laughs> that's a it's possibility. Sure. You know, that, that's certainly a possibility with that. Um, but um, I wanted to get John, I know... You were a huge admirer of this film. Mm. Like, what was the first time? How, how did you first come across Raging Bull, and what was your first impression of it when you finally saw it? Um, honestly, I I did not see this movie until well into the two thousands. Okay. Um, so it's not like I grew up with this movie or anything like that. And the person who turned me on to this was Scott Tobin, who um, I, I think you guys know Scott. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who who was also a founding member of Fake Bacon, but um, but he it, it freaked him out that I'd never seen it before, and he nearly, I mean, first of all, he nearly had it very Scott Toman esque had a, almost had a heart attack <laughs> at uh, rehearsal when he found out I'd never seen it before. And he's like, yeah. "Oh, Coon, you 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 got you you got to see you you got to see Raging Bull," <laughs> and so um, so I probably that next weekend I watched it. This has been. Uh, 2004 maybe 2005 and I instantly fell in love with it I mean um, the thing that struck me the the most was the black and white and just how gritty and intense the tone for most of it is Um, there's there's just several images that stick with you like whether it's uh, De Niro as as LaMotta doing Shakespeare at the very beginning um, 
almost kind of like in a uh, you could almost feel like it's in in the ring still um, when he's on stage doing that and then the scenes where he's actually boxing and in the ring there's there there's images of of, of smoke and of chalk yeah. and of, it just like spit and stuff oh my god it just blows your it, it blew my mind on how he made this in 1980 yeah um, and I could see instantly. I could see that uh, that critics probably that some critics probably hated this movie, and uh, uh, probably didn't get. You know, I don't know what the what the box office sales were like or whatever, but I I can imagine it not being great. Yeah, it, it flopped initially at the box mm-hmm. office. It, I, I don't think the promotion or the marketing, from what I've read, was that particularly strong for it. The studio. I think it was United Artists. They probably didn't have a lot of. What would the all... marketing be for this movie? Yeah. Watch Robert De Niro hit everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good tagline. I don't know why they didn't go with that. Including himself. Yeah, he hits himself. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be a hard movie to market realistically, especially at that time. Oh, you yeah. know, it's like how do you? What is the target audience aside yeah. from you know men? Well, this but, was really at the tail end of, of... angry men. Yeah. Angry men. Angry men. And then we're, that's yeah. an even sm- exactly. smaller, narrower. Italian men. <laughs> Angry Italian Yeah, that's, it's very Angry much an Italian-American. Angry you know. Italian Brooklyn men. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was actually at the tail end of, like, 1970s American cinema where things were darker and grittier. Like, they weren't, they were kind of more uncompromising in the way they approached it. Movies like Chinatown and the Godfather right. films and Taxi Driver, which was Scorsese's, mm-hmm. Absolutely. you know, which preceded this. Um, I first came across this uh, when I was in college. It was right before high school and college, where I was really actively trying to see classic movies. Mm-hmm. I was at I was in that phase, and I wanted to rent. It was the first time around this era. I also got to see The Godfather for the first time, and um, you know, like Apocalypse Now and movies of that nature. Mm-hmm. Anything that was from the seventies, I wanted to get my hands on. And my mom said, uh, "You should check out Raging Bull." Because mm. it's, it's a lot of critics consider it one of the greatest movies Does ever your mom made. Like this movie, I'm curious to know. Uh, I, I think she did like it, um, and she, but I don't know. Mm. It was a favorite of hers, but she said you should check it out because yeah. everyone references this movie as one of the greatest ever made, and the acting's supposed to be superb and everything. And uh, I, I sat down and watched it, and I, I, I did enjoy it. It took me a few viewings to really get into it completely, where I really, really? started appreciating it. Yeah, like I, I, well, I liked it when I first saw it. Mm. First of all, it's, there was a lot of swearing, so that was going to appeal to me between high school and college. Like, fuck you, fuck you. Yeah, that, that grabbed me. And I loved De Niro. I thought De Niro was outstanding in the movie because I had only seen De Niro a few times prior to this. But this is the first time I really sat down and watched a Robert De Niro film. And, you know, I just loved how realistic he is mm-hmm. in this movie and how natural he is. And how just intense. He is. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's so young. And, yeah, you know, and um, well, and the, the incredible weight change yeah. throughout the movie is, yeah, that really to me that's one of the biggest feats by an actor that I'd ever seen. Not only that, it's it's so natural, and he looks just as exactly what a what a that same guy would look like when because yeah. it is. I mean, it is. they I mean, actually Ellie yeah. packed on what eighty pounds and then took it off because <laughs> I did, didn't they didn't they actually shoot. 
the, the heavier yes. scenes first, and then he lost the weight. I think it was in reverse. I think they shot like the the young like his younger scenes first. Oh, and then right. they shut down okay. production. And actually, the producers did not want to do this because it's like, why would we waste all this money just so he can gain the weight? So he okay. So they shot the boxing scene first. I think so. I from my understanding. Well, I think it's remarkable. It's, he's not just supposed to be in shape. He's supposed to be a professional oh. boxer shape. Yeah, it's yeah. different right. than like. Uh, Tom Hanks and Castaway, where he doesn't, his body where he looks have pretty to be. emaciated. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks right. emaciated, but he right. he's not like he just has to lose weight, right? right. While Clear has to get in shape and look and like a boxer train. and train and right. actually look legitimate, which he does. I mean, very much so. In fact, I think I read that Jake LaMotta's trainer is the one that trained him. Right? Yeah, yeah I heard he said that, that too. De Niro, if he wanted to, could probably be a professional. But he actually fought three bouts, I think, and won two of them. So, I mean, that's how method I don't know, got. too many actors, like, we just heard a story recently that De Niro's doing stand-up to prepare for a role, yeah. and that's the amazing thing, is he actually takes on the profession, he drove a taxi to prepare for Taxi Driver, yeah. too, just to get the feel that for it, just you know. The stories that would come out of that experience. Right? Yeah. Well, I don't think we're ever going to hear the stories of how we prepare for Goodfellas, let's just put it that way. Right. <laughs> I, I was going to say, let's pray he never plays somebody like Ted Bundy. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Which I he's wonder, come close to. Yeah. Um, I wonder what would be harder... To go from being overweight and out of shape to getting fit, or from being really fit to going to get it, you know, being very out of shape. I, I mean, yeah, it I would think, take longer, which would be a harder uh, feat. I would I think mean, that that being that it being so fit yeah. and then having to let yourself go exactly. that would that, that would be tough because if you're yeah. so you're in great shape like the thing that your you body's like not used to what's going on now right it's just like and just mentally right. saying i gotta get myself fat even though i'm in the best shape of my life yeah. like, yeah. allowing yourself <laughs> no doubt yeah i mean I, I hear the backstory on the weight loss or the, the weight change the reason that he actually wanted to experience it himself i think joe pesci explained it on an extra on the dvd hmm. is that Lamana was obsessed with his weight. He was very insecure about his weight, and you know yeah. that's a big theme throughout the movie. Yeah, so he's, he's fat, to, and then he has to get, lose it to fight. Yeah, and so De Niro really felt like I really need to experience this to really get into the character that way. Boy, did he take it to the fullest extreme? Where mm-hmm. he, but the good thing about the movie, it doesn't feel pretentious. It doesn't feel forced. It just feels like a natural part of the story. I like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't feel like it's a stunt or anything like that in the movie. Yeah, it, he yeah. just becomes. Fat as he gets older. Well, there were when he was fat. He didn't have a huge pizza that he was eating. No, <laughs> just to like drive home the point. Exactly. <laughs> he just always has a piece of pizza or like a chicken piece of chicken. And, although there, he's eating the sandwich in the one scene. <laughs> it's is. true, which is great. Right? Yeah, that is a great movie. scene. But, uh, but yeah, I wish they had had a pizza scenes now when he's doing stand up. <laughs> just start eating on stage after he's done with his set. There's a lot of food scenes in this movie. Though. There is. Well, they're, they're Italian. That's yeah. a big part of the oh, Italian yeah. culture. Is eating. Mm-hmm. And, and that's Scorsese. And this was the first Scorsese film I'd ever watched. And, I, and Scorsese is one of my favorite filmmakers. Like, I, I love his work. What I think about what makes Scorsese such a great director is that he is artful without being pretentious. Like, he knows how to tell a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's technically, you know, it, all over the map. Like, you, he's really... Other directors might be accused of showing off with some of his techniques, but he does it so skillfully I think this is definitely his most... Purposely artful movie, I would say. He has a lot yeah. more tropes, like art movie tropes in this movie than I think he does in like Goodfellas or other movies. Right. Well, but, I think because some of his later movies are more so focused on the characters um, and, and the development within the story itself, this movie was just, um, it was kind of different from that when thinking about movies like Goodfellas and 
for the parted. Um, this was just a little bit more singular. Right. You know, you're just following one guy who, um, it's just parts of his life. It's it, just, just had a different kind of feel to it. It's his character study. Um, the, the Scorsese, I think, initially did not want to direct this movie. Like, De Niro was the, the driving force mm-hmm. because right. he read LaMotta's yep. biography. Read the biography and he, he, I mean, he hounded Marty to, mm-hmm. to basically make the movie. He did, and I think Scorsese was struggling with like uh, some sort of... I wonder why did he not want to do it? Scorsese doesn't like sports at all, actually. He just was never a sports guy when he grew up. I mean, he just mm-hmm. he was a movie guy yeah. and uh, uh, just didn't connect to it. He didn't really understand it, but De Niro loved the book so much, and he loved the character of Lamada, and he kept saying, you really need to take this, Marty, because you would do great things with this. And then I think... I think Scorsese had a coke overdose or something because there was like a low point in his life. And then De Niro goes, hey, this could redeem you. Let's do this movie. And he goes, okay. So this is the... This is, this is lesson learned. Always go when you want somebody to direct a movie. Make sure they hit their lowest point in life to get them going. Yeah, um, That's such good advice. That is. Was he, t- is. Was he doing coke because he doesn't like sports? <laughs> I guess so. It was, was probably doing compensation. Coke in like the late 70s, and that's yes. what people did. That's what people did, yeah. Um, but he got into it. He found a personal connection with the story because it was a story about redemption. And, and Scorsese is. It is? This to him was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's not, it's, not, it's not redemption on a broad level, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't, hey, for this guy. But, but part of him is redeemed. <laughs> he he feels bad about what he did to his brother, so he hugs him. That's oh <laughs> that's, that's, that's what goes two, on. Two hours and nine minutes to get to that. That's an awkward hug in a parking lot. Right. That's 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 all it is. There's hope. There's hope in that, that. Not not all brothers are as warm as you two. I know. You got you got imprisoned for having a fifteen year old subjecting her to older men in his club. But, but his wife divorces him. But uh, can see this. He learned his, his lesson from it. His second wife yeah. divorced him. He learned his lesson though. You'd have to say from that experience, right? Like he didn't do it again. I don't know. Well, Nothing in the movie. For what I, we think, know. I think. I think. Of course, I don't know Martin Scorsese personally, but I think a lot. Of, there was an attraction too because it is quasi gangster in a way, yeah. and the whole Italian thing and the New York thing and yeah, that's I think the mafia. That, I think that scene is very attractive to him. Yeah. So I think there were other elements aside mm-hmm. from whatever, however he interpreted the story. I think there were other elements of the film that were attractive to him. Well, and a lot of that's because he grew up in those yeah. neighborhoods in New York, so he was around yeah. gangsters when he exactly. grew up. That's why he's so drawn. Like yeah. you nailed it on the head. He is. He is completely. That's such a personal, and that's why I think his movies stand out in those genres because he understands on a primal level, mm-hmm. fundamental level, from being exposed to it, what the that lifestyle is like. Exactly. Um, but this is a little more intimate, like because Lamada and Joey, his brother, played by Joe Pesci, beautiful, brilliantly by Joe Pesci. Yes. Um, it, it, they're not mafia. I mean, they're obviously uh, associated with the mafia and they're getting involved with them to some degree. But they're really just these thuggish, kind of street level Italian Americans. Yeah, you know, like not low, to stereotype. They're like low class people. Yeah, you know. Low class people. Pe- Pesci just really strains himself. I mean, right. Play? He plays a guy named Joey. That's probably three degrees from him. What right. would Joe Pesci say about this? <laughs> <laughs> this is 
This was his first Joe, movie. Joey, yeah. he would say, "These are just they're working stiffs. They're 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 regular people." Yeah. <laughs> would he tell me that he knows things? <laughs> he knows things. I know things. <laughs> what? I know things. What kind of things? <laughs> yeah. How come, how come Joe I'm Pesci, all his characters end in a Y, <laughs> all the names end in a Y? Tommy, Joey, Because <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in Italian-American communities, people yeah. like to go E, There's, you know? It's hey, Tony. Is Tony. Yeah. Well, in his end of the Y, it's Tommy, Nikki. Jimmy, yeah. I'm looking at his name's Harry. <laughs> oh, it's Finny. <laughs> Harry. You played two Harrys. Yeah, well, you know, it's we're just, we're Irish, so we're yeah. the other side of Catholicism, you That's know. Right. It's kind of like an Italian line. thing. You just if your name doesn't end in some kind of E type mm-hmm. thing, you just turn it into that. Like my father's name, for example, is Charles. Yeah. Well he goes by Charlie. If you're in Philadelphia and my mother, Charlie. Yeah. That's just how they say it, you know. It's just like my sisters, you know. Her name is Cindy, ja- and then my other sister's Jackie. We're all E's. Like I don't know. Is that an Italian thing? You know, I want to ask you: Do you identify with a lot of stuff in this movie? From obviously not the extremes of it, but there's certain the way they behave with each other. Does this ring true for you at all? Being um, from an Italian family, the parts that uh, rang true was was kind of like the family dyna- dynamics. The brothers were always kind of like yelling at each other or it seemed like they were always angry with each other when really they were each other's biggest fans they, they loved each other they were on each other's side um that i think is a very italian thing because italian families are very loyal they're um i don't know they're kind of like stick together good and bad ugly which is you know definitely a theme within this movie um but i have to say the whole scene in and of itself you know the brooklyn scene the way that these guys act and the things they do I'm very fortunate in that my dad was had a really big goal to make us not be subjected to stuff like that you know and yeah. I was born in Philadelphia which is a city where a lot of that stuff it happens but he made a really strong point you know to make sure that we weren't exposed to those kinds of people and that kind of thing so I personally can't relate to it too much but there are certain things about it that do kind of remind me of like my dad or some of my Italian family or friends of my family growing up mm-hmm. um, and things like that. Yeah. Things like that. Things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the one thing that I do identify with this movie in a way, because to me, the essence of this movie, it's a movie about brothers. I mean, that's how I break it down. That's what yeah. I relate to when I watch this movie. I, I don't know why, but two brothers going into a similar profession and they're very close working together. I can't personally relate to that in any way, shape, or form, right. but it seems like that's what would happen right, 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 with, right. with two brothers. Right. But I love those really. Uh, that, my favorite scenes of this movie are the scenes between De Niro and Pesci when they're talking on yeah. any level, whether they're fighting, whether they're bonding. Um, I mean, Jake is a terrible brother to Joey. I mean, just a horrific brother to Joey. You can't swear in front of me. I'm a, hip- I'm a fucking hypocrite. Right. <laughs> I'm a complete fucking hypocrite. You can't swear in front of me. You're not worthy of my wife. <laughs> yeah, yep. I mean, everything is downgrading Joey. And Joey has his flaws, but Joey is loyal to Jake no matter what. From, at least for the first two-thirds of this movie. Mm-hmm. He is behind him 100%. He's helping him out. He's giving him great advice. He's building him back up whenever he loses his confidence. Yeah. Exactly. And That's that Italian loyalty family thing that I was kind of talking about. Right. Exactly. And... Uh, you know, I think uh, that's what's so heartbreaking when they finally have that that rift mm. that breaks the family apart. Mm. 
uh, is that, you know, Joey stood by him, and then he's accusing him <laughs> of sleeping with his wife. And that's always been ambiguous to me as to what's actually happening in those dynamics, too. I thought so, too. Know. I never really knew. She was very sarcastic when she said it, you know. And she he does. was very insulted when he was asked, so it's just like, none of them really ever said it. Yeah. Well, all of that had hit a tipping point for, yeah. for everybody in the movie, really. I mean, yeah. they'd been through, they'd been through so much together up to that point. Like, like think of the scene where, where, uh, Lamata, or where, you know, Lamata throws the fight. Yeah. Yeah. He throws that fight in order to be able to get a, a shot at the title, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, I mean, he's just blubbering like a baby. Yeah, yeah. Sad. And Joey's just like, it's uh, you know, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. I mean, they'd been through hell all the way up until that. Yeah. You know, and I think that part of uh, Jake Lamotta, part of a boxer, part of a a, a a kind of a bull like that, they're used to just drama. They're used to crazy amounts of whether it's external or it's created by them. Um, they're used to it, and they all they really thrive on. I think it's you an know. element of, or a connection rather, with pain, physical and emotional. I mean, that's what they're subjecting themselves to in the ring. That's what excites them. That what motivates them. That what you know gets them going. And you know, like John was just saying, it could be true on, on the emotional aspect of things too. Like when things are going great and happy, like things were at certain points in this movie. You it think, seemed like he still wasn't satisfied. He needed there needed to be a fork in the road, or or, or he needed yeah. to just punch it, exactly. essentially, yeah. figuratively and literally. I mean, that's yeah. just you're right. I mean, think about it. When things were great with his second wife in the very beginning, it didn't last long. What happened? He starts getting angry about little things, punching people, hitting people. You know, being overly jealous. He creates all this drama that isn't there. And the core of the character is self-loathing, too, which is where all that stems from. He hates, like, he has insecurity Mm -hmm. and self-loathing. I mean, anytime something positive happens to to Jake in the movie, like, he is a great middleweight fighter. He's going to be the middleweight champion. But the only thing he obsesses with, I'll never be able to fight Joe Lewis and prove I'm the best in the world. It's always focusing on what he doesn't have. He would get his ass kicked. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and Joey points that out to him several times. It won't work. Well, there's just... It just, it just, he's never satisfied. He's the kind of man, kind of person that's never satisfied. No matter how far you go, how high you get, what you achieve, it's never good enough. Mm, no. And that's sad. And that is a definitely a flaw, you know, in his character. And I think it was certainly a hindrance in his life, as we've seen. Right. He had a, the second wife, I, I don't know much about the first wife. They didn't really show us. But the second wife loved him and did a lot for him and was very supportive and, mm-hmm. He just took it for granted, and then she had enough. And when people have enough, she was interested in what he did. I mean, yeah, she She knew a lot. Yeah, she helped him um, get to where he got, and it just and even he had a great loving brother who was loyal and Mm -hmm. even cared for his wife and defended his wife. You know that one scene where he was saw her out at the restaurant, and he he never told his brother about it because he knew it was innocent, and he knew if his brother found out what would happen. You know, just these kinds of things, and it's like, he just took it all for granted. He was so self-absorbed. He was. Uh, he was very self-absorbed, and he wasn't particularly bright. He was really ignorant. He was just oh. a thuggish guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was just a thuggish yeah. guy. Um, I think one of the most, uh, one of the hardest aspects of this movie to watch, I, I actually think it's brilliantly done, is the the scenes where he, the, would say it's the domestic trying. abuse scenes yeah. with him and Vicky, 
Uh, Kathy Moriarty was only like 19, I think, when she was cast, but she wow. has that husky voice, so she seems yeah. older. But she was like actually, I thought, yeah. I thought she was younger than that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she might have been. Even I thought younger. she was like 16. She in might the movie, been. she's like 15. Like her age in the movie, like 15. Or maybe she yeah. was. Maybe she was 19. Yeah. Yeah. She might have been. I think she was 19 when she, the actress was 19, gotcha. but she was probably gotcha. the character was younger. Um, but it's played so realistically, and, and the fighting isn't. It's 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 not these grand gestures of fighting like they're actually fighting the way people would fight in real life yeah. it's pathetic mm-hmm. it's clumsy it's messy it's emotional it's emotional and that's probably what affects you the most when you watch it and it moves so quickly like when he's taking her out on the street and he hits her it's so intense it's hard to watch but the weird thing is i, I remember i don't I, i'm not laugh i didn't laugh at this movie because i thought it was funny i thought because it was kind of an uncomfortable laugh it's like mm. it's like this is how people fight i've seen people yeah. in real life fight like this and i'm not used to seeing it in movies you're used to seeing right. movies being more you know there's more of a graceful way people fight in films or it's more dramatic and honestly i think that scorsese does that throughout the whole movie where he almost makes it hyper realistic yeah whether it's whether it's the um you know the the fights at home or the fights in the ring. Mm-hmm. It's it's so hyper realistic. It's shocking. Yeah. It yeah. is. I mean, I mean, not just him and the wife fighting, but like the fight scenes, mm-hmm. like when he fights Ray Robinson. Yeah. Good. Gosh. Yeah. It's yeah. Just it's brutal. <laughs> and all you all I can think of is him him the whole, that second fight of him and and because he. Lamada won the first fight, but then, you know, soundly got beat in the second fight or whatever. And all I can think of is, is in that movie, he's like, "You never got me yeah. down, Ray. <laughs> you never got me down." His eyes he are never, gone, he, he and can't yeah. see. He's just yeah. a, a big bloody pulp of a mess, and yeah. all he the, cares about is that he didn't knock him down. Some right. of the fights I see him, he knocked the guy down three times. Right. And I was like, he didn't win. No, no uh, there were no TKOs back then. Wow, so yeah, that's a modern invention. Wow, modern. that's why. <laughs> <laughs> modern. Great scientists came together. <laughs> if you knock a guy down three times, you should win the fight. Can I just say I'm proud of myself for knowing what TKO means? Just yeah. Yeah. Boom. I am proud. We will give you credit. Well done. Because I'm not a sports person. Certainly not. Well, I watched that, and I was not aware of that because I'm like, wow, this is unrealistic. He literally. By standard today's standards, he would have won that fight. But mm-hmm. um, I guess that was a great. If you're watching it through modern eyes and you watch that fight, and he's like, "Oh yeah, he should have won that one. Why yeah. didn't yeah. he win that? He really got screwed." Right. Well, he—that's an issue he has throughout the movie too. Because ever after every fight, especially if he doesn't win, it's like you know those judges don't know what the hell they're talking about. The people know what they're talking about because they're behind me. You know, he says that a few times. Yeah, it doesn't seem to matter. I mean, he throws a fight and then he gets a title shot. I mean, that's just the corruption of boxing. Where it doesn't really oh, matter. Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. more about yeah. that's like the gangster element. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Without a doubt, the results don't matter. Yeah. It's it's yeah. the best fight possible. Yeah. Well, I do think I do want to comment, you know, on what John was saying about the fighting in this movie, whether it be in the ring or in the house. But and I think that's one thing um, that Martin Scorsese does beautifully um, in all of his films because they all have that gangster theme throughout most of them. Is that um, he's just very real and raw and. He just has such a great humanistic quality about him as a director that when you do watch these scenes where he was hitting his wife and the one scene where she was hitting him back, you know, 
I've actually seen, you know, his domestic fight through my life, and it is very much like that. You know, you're, mm -hmm. you're so emotional, and you're caught up in the moment, and then afterwards you either cry, you know, you hug each other, you forgive each other, or somebody storms out. You know, it's, it's, it's real life. And I think that he does a great job not, um, like, theaterizing that, if you know what mm -hmm. I mean. I think no. he does a great job keeping it real. And that's why I think this movie is attractive for many people and why his other movies are just phenomenal because people relate to that. That's what I love about Scorsese is the realism, just yeah. the improvisational way people interact with each other. It feels naturalistic. Yes. It doesn't mm -hmm. feel like we're reciting dialogue here mm -hmm. and the way they move and the way the camera moves. It's Everything's yeah. lively, everything's vibrant, everything's changing and moving constantly. Mm -hmm. And I, I just love how realistic, like you guys have said, how the yeah. realism in his movies has always appealed to me. And that's mm -hmm. probably why he's one of those filmmakers I keep going back to because exactly. I love that. It's not over the top. No. It's just enough. Case Make it Hollywood, but yet keep it real, you know? Yeah, exactly. Case in point, uh, one of the actors, the actor who plays the main gangster that they're dealing with, which is Nicholas Calasanto. I didn't know this until Ooh. five viewings. The guy's, the actor's name is Nicholas Calasanto. I didn't know this until about two or three viewings into it. That is Coach from Cheers. What? <laughs> yeah, that is the guy who played Coach in Cheers. Wow. And I'm watching, I've watched Cheers constantly as a kid in the 80s. And I love that character. And I started watching this. I never correlated it because his demeanor in this movie is so radically different than mm -hmm. when he is on Cheers. And, he, and he, when you see it, he's like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But it's a testament to the ultimate character actor, right? Oh, yeah. And, then, I mean, and the director's cut. It's Willie Harrelson. So it's, <laughs> it's pretty amazing. That's Especially right. on Woody's resume. <laughs> on, the, on the special edition, you yeah. know, and they have Woody Harrelson playing <laughs> the role. Well, Woody, yeah. Woody's been in everything. Yeah, yeah. Just asking. It was, it was a trade-off. <laughs> uh, I think he's great in this movie, by the way, too. Especially yeah. Scene where he's mediating between uh, Joe Pesci and Frank Vincent when you're right. they have to yeah, that fight. It's, yeah, it's, uh... yeah, you're right. I, it's hard to believe. You would never know. It, it? When it first dawned on me, it was mind boggling. That's one of those facts. It's like, wow, that's Coach. Yep. You know? <laughs> yeah, you never know. I mean, well, it's, it's Coach from Cheers. It's not Coach from Coach. No, it's not. It's not Craig T. Nelson, Coach. No, it's no. it's a <laughs> that would be that would be. Just to clarify, yeah, you seen this for, for the layman, you know, we want to those clarify Craig T, it. Those Craig T. Nelson fans out <laughs> oh there, oh my god, don't go running to see this film. Yes, Craig T. Nelson is not in it, despite what you hear. And Nicholas Colasanto <laughs> is not in Portergeist, just to clarify that, too. That's Craig T. Nelson. If we're going for 80s movies, that's yeah. how it breaks down, yeah. Um, but uh, Craig T. Nelson and Robert De Niro switched lives. Oh man, that'd be yeah. fascinating. Everything, everything really that Robert movies. De Niro was in, Craig T. Nelson was in now. Wow. Who was everything it? Craig T. Nelson was in, Robert De Niro was in. Can you see De Niro Ready and Poltergeist? <laughs> You're right. Can you see what Craig T. Nelson in Goodfellas? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I can see. It would be a radically different meet the parents. That would be a lot more today, <laughs> and the joke wouldn't be as a parent. How about Rocky and Bullwinkle? <laughs> that, that, I can see that. Um, there's some layover with those characters. But, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, we were talking about the acting. I think, you know, obviously De Niro won an Oscar for this, and it's considered one of the greatest performances of all time. Yep. Um, but it just, like anything I've seen him in with Scorsese, though, it's not like I see, like, oh, this stands out more than the other. They're just all great. Yeah. It's all consistent greatness to me. 
It's like you could take your pick as to which movie De Niro's going to win an Oscar for. You know, Goodfellas, like, that's more of a character role. It's more of a supporting role. Yeah. You know, compared to Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, but it's still an excellent performance. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing, because it's not like he... Well, he does give a monologue in the beginning, but that's... He's practicing a monologue, so it's like, you know... Um, but he, a lot of the dialogue's very short. You know, he's not a very yeah. talkative guy. Mm-hmm. No. It's looks. It's his looks and... He just seems menacing. If he saw this guy, he would not be approachable. I, I don't think. I don't he, think he'd be he's like. He's dangerous. He's like Franklin. So okay. he seems dangerous and, and honestly, he seems a little off. This like he's got some screws missing. Like I, John, you're an approachable guy. You're like the opposite of raging. I mean, can Thanks. you not agree yeah. that you don't think that this character has? Well, all I'm stuff? all I'm thinking is that the actual Jake Lamana. He, he would have he would have been mortified hearing this. Yeah, because he really thought of himself as a nice guy. <laughs> That's like the real topper to all this, right? Well, the real a classic Jake... narcissist. Right oh there. man, well maybe they didn't show those parts. They clearly weren't interested in anything that showed him, like, you know, like, they did that. Yeah. maybe they cut the scene where he's just, like, throwing a quarter in a homeless man's right? hat or something. Right, right? Yeah. Well, let's say he, he, he's a wife beater, he's a terrible brother, he is, he's a brute, mm. um, you know, he's ungrateful, he's paranoid, he's insecure, but he has integrity with the mob. That's where he. That's where his He's integrity comes. He was comes a good at. boxer too. Yeah, he was a good he was, boxer. He was a great boxer, and he was. He, you know, and he had integrity with the mob. Yeah, he had integrity. Yeah. He wouldn't take a. <laughs> he, he was finally forced. He was finally forced, but he was. He was res- reluctant. He was well, a reluctant. He, was, he was a poor husband. Yeah. Not saying it nicely. Yeah. Yeah. A, a really unsupportive father. Well, I think he was just all around piece of shit outside yeah. of being a good yeah. boxer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was not a good brother or, you know, or friend, really, right. to anyone. And, and worst of all, he was a terrible stand-up. All right, you know he. <laughs> I actually love those scenes because it's like those. Yeah, those are some of my favorite. I love when those. He scenes. just throws in all the Shakespeare, and he just it's like it's it's. It feels like something out of a you know Salvador Dali movie or something. You know what yeah. he is good at though? He's good at when he stacks the glasses up and he's pouring the, the champagne and it just goes oh, yeah. to the front run and it goes down. He's it's really true. good at that. He's really, really highlight how good he is at doing. Really doing. good at that. Yeah, he he basically morphs from wanting to be Joe Lewis to wanting to be Jackie Gleason for some reason. Like that's what he decides after retirement. Yeah, I he goes be. from a quiet kind of a quiet guy to the the life of the party, which is. If you're yeah. looking for a character arc, that's that's the story of this movie. It's, it's a guy. It's a it's a, it's a uh, I don't know. It's a it's a what's the term? Uh, um, a quiet uh, introvert. Introvert to a guy that really wants. It's an introvert that wants to be an extrovert. Like, yeah, that's what he wants to be. He wants to be. You well, know. I think a lot of it is insecurity. Yeah, yeah. Coming from not knowing a who he really is and b who he wants to be. You know, he's trying to, like, constantly find himself by trying to live up to these ideals of what he thinks a good man, boxer, person, whatever is supposed to be. And in the process of doing that, he loses all sight of who he really is. I mean, I think at the end of the movie, he doesn't even know who he really is. He was He's an ex-boxer, an ex-husband now. You know, like, doing stand-up and singing at a nightclub trying to be like Frank Sinatra? Like, yeah. who are you? You know, it's like, what do you stand for? 
I have to say, the scene where he's in the jail cell always breaks my heart. I know he doesn't mm. earn it. I know he's a terrible person, and he's done all these horrible things to, to all the people he loves. <laughs> but when he's crying in that jail cell, it's hard for me not to empathize with him, because De Niro plays pathetic better than any actor I've ever seen. Mm. He really commits to, to being pathetic and crying. And that's the one scene where you don't see anything. It's like, because he does a similar thing in Taxi Driver, where he pans after Travis Bickle's been mm-hmm. rejected. Yep, It's a similar thing here, where he's at his low point, and you don't see him crying. We'll see him beat his wife, but we won't see him crying because that's too much for the director well, and, to take. And he has that—he yeah. has that breakdown. I yeah. mean, that's that's the scene where he he just and he's just you know hitting him. <coughs> Excuse me, hitting himself. Yeah, hitting the the wall. Yeah, and um, to me, you know, the 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 to try to spin a. Um, 21st or 20th century sort of psychology on him I think is is almost too nice yeah I, I look at at Lamada like he was he was just an animal yeah essentially who was barely above consciousness and kind of would rise out of the primordial ooze every now and then he, I mean hell he was a boxer could you imagine he if he spent was spent most of his life be having himself hit in the head? Exactly. Yeah. That's right? why I really seriously think he's not right in the head because. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's that why. Yeah. People don't make decisions like the kind of decisions that he made. They don't live their life the way that he did. And they don't treat people the way that he treated people. And you talked about earlier when you said you know he hurt all the people that he loved when he was crying in jail. I don't think he loved anyone but himself because yeah. if you love someone, you don't do things that he did to people. You don't abuse your wife to the point where, you know, she's bleeding and, you know, you don't do that to people you love. You don't treat your brother the way you do. And, I mean, I, I think the only person he loved was himself. No doubt. There was no chemistry between him and Vicky at all. I mean, she was a trophy wife. That's what she was to him. There was zero. I mean, that's exactly. the like, They're going putt-putt together. Him. There's no sparks yeah. flying, you know. And that's just sad. I think, you know, he... That was his most charming moment is when she knocks the, the, the putt-putt ball underneath the thing and he said, what's that mean? It means the game is over and he smiles and he puts his arm around her. <laughs> that was it. I mean, yeah. that was the nicest moment in the whole movie. I, Did you hang out with him? If you were... <laughs> <laughs> with who? Bob? Jake LaMotta. Oh, Jake LaMotta? Well, I mean, Bob was, De Niro. Bob was, De Niro would be fun. Well, it, it's all about, you know, circumstance, right? Yeah. You know, whatever circumstance it would be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what, what time period of Jake LaMotta are we talking about? Do you know anybody like that? Early Jake LaMotta or later in his life? Oh, I grew up with people like Jake LaMotta. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah of course I know. Sociopath. I know that guy. I know Jake LaMotta. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, and so I have a different take on him. I, I Well, later in life, I think he is... He, he is definitely a guy that you would sit and you would tell you stories and you'd be captivated by it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, a guy that's had the life he's had, I mean, how would that not be... How does a guy that was the middleweight champion yeah, in the world... And, I mean, I look at him from uh, a place of... Like, I, I honestly, I think he probably did love his wife or his version of what he thought was love. Yeah. Like, I, I really do. I think, And I think he loved his brother, but... He's just such a nasty, flawed, fucked up human being. Yeah. yeah. You know, ultimately, and 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 to him, that was that was all it was that was just what it was. He didn't have control. Well, I, I think, really think he didn't have I control. I think he became his judgment just became so clouded 
with his goals of being this elite boxer and some, some, but I, I also I don't I don't even know that he, he if you really would have sat him down and been like, hey, what are your goals, Jake? Yeah. I really don't know that he's got <laughs> well, an answer. Well, maybe for not, you. but I, but you know what I mean. I mean, he was so driven. Mm-hmm. That was the motivator in his life was to right. be this elite boxer. That's a, that was his focus. So I think. So then that after that, what what happens? So, right. Exactly. Who is he? You know, it's like he doesn't even know who he is anymore. Right. Um, and that's really sad because I think he wasted a lot of really good time in his life. Being the way that he was, um, being a bad example, basically, and but it's like, what without it, we don't have this rich movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's true. I think it's a true. movie. I do think if this movie was made today, it, a lot, a lot. <laughs> oh. <would be> <laughs> but I think. Do you think this movie gets made like this? If it's, it's not like today? this, I, right. I think a lot would be made about the head trauma. Oh yeah, and right. the pragmatic. Concussion, because we know a lot more about concussions. Like they today. have Will Smith in the movie. Exactly. He's yeah. like, tell the truth. Will Smith's right. character. Yeah, tell the truth. <laughs> tell the truth. <laughs> tell the truth, Jake. I'm incapable. Right. Uh, a lot would be said about the, the, the domestic abuse scenes more than anything yeah. else. That would probably get the most attention. But I think they would excuse I, I would it so. as. Yeah. yeah. I, would, I think they would excuse. There would be an implication that it would be excused due to the brain trauma that he experienced while being a boxer. I think really? Do, you think that's a spin? I think with? they would spin a lot of See, that. See, I love the fact that they're... He's hitting the head like a lot. And right, like... but but I, I also love the fact that Scorsese pulls no punches, pun intended, on yeah. this, right. around all those issues and never asks for anything other than this is what happened. They, there but, is no. He, I'm not going to excuse draw, this. Yeah, I am, yeah. I'm not going to make apologies for this. Just look. That's 100%... Accurate because I like I watched these interviews yeah. where he would say, like he said at the end of the era, we don't we want to show him warts and all, we want to betray him honestly, but we don't want to judge him. And what they mean is like it's not necessarily that they're excusing his behavior; they're saying this is how it happened. That's right. You make the decision on how you feel about exactly. it. We're going to leave it out there. And that's what I like about Scorsese. He doesn't force you to take a stand on a character. He lets you make the decision. That's right. He character. allows you to be the witness. Yes. Of Here's this is art. We've created this. Yeah. All right, y'all are gonna make your judgments anyway, no matter what yeah, right. agenda or, or position that they take. That's that might be Scorsese's greatest gift that he does to with cinema. He has empathy. I think that he finds empathy even in the most repugnant person. I think that's really what he's trying to say is like all of us are human on some level. They're just varying degrees. Most of us are decent. None of us go as far as Jake Lamada does in this movie. Mm-hmm. But even LaMotta has redeeming value. He does regret what he did to his brother. He does regret what he does to his wife. There is that moment. And that's the Catholicism I was talking about earlier. This is is what Catholicism was designed for, which is like we are all sinners and we all sin on various levels, but we all should have the chance at redemption. We should all have the chance to... to find a moral compass again or find our way. And even with LaMotta, it's repugnant... As Lamada is in a lot of this movie, that's that's I think his point overall. I think anyway, you know. Mm-hmm. Lots of movies made about Italian boxers. There are. <laughs> well, there that's are. a popular thing. In the <laughs> there that's, was. Th- there was buzz around, you know, when when Rocky came out. Yeah. Uh, uh, right. You know, very just prior to Raging Bull. Yeah. Um, that was. I don't know if that it sort of factored into kind of one of the dominoes that. That helped get this movie made in a way. 
Yeah, well, that it was. That's the tagline. It was like, surprising that 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 Rocky even did as well as it did. Oh yeah, yeah. and then won an Academy Award, and it was like, wow. Well, wow, Rocky is the exact opposite. Like you are forced. I mean, the way the movie's filmed is like you have no choice but to love Rocky. At the oh movie. man, and it yeah. does a brilliant job of it. Oh, it's a, br- it's yeah, it's a, a brilliant movie. movie. Yeah, it really is. This is I kind mean, of the anti-Rocky. It's in a way. anti. But they share the same producer, Erwin Winkler. He That's produced right. both films, and That's both right. it's the same studio. So, obviously, uh, there's a lot of tie-ins between them. First of all, they're both gritty. They're both made oh, on a very, very gritty level. The difference is, Rocky is a really decent person who finally gets his break. And yep. we all love him and support him. <laughs> and Jake LaMotta is the total opposite of that. It's like in every way. He's the anti-hero. Yeah, he's right? the anti-hero. He's totally yeah. Yeah. They do a great... I, well, I think the... Uh, um, it is interesting. There's a lot. The movies made about the really popular, successful boxers aren't as successful as these these little known boxers. Because I think, how do you portray Muhammad Ali on screen? Uh, to uh, more, now, Will Smith was nominated for, it and he probably did as well as job as he could possibly do. But how, you know, it's like someone if someone was trying to portray. I guess like Andre the Giant. There's just no way. The real life is always going to be <laughs> far know, more fascinating, far more fascinating uh, than than the actual person. I think I wish if they did make a movie, yeah. Andre the Giant, it would just be about his drinking exploits. That's just, the only thing the movie. would But you couldn't right. capture someone with that presence. I mean, it, there would be no believable. There's no way. That's yeah. like if You're they right. tried to do something like with Macho Man. It's, I mean, you can make could... it just an imitation, you know, the real yeah, deal. Exactly. I, mean, I think the Monster Man's movie would be very similar to this movie. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it's constructed. A, a lot of insecurity. Yeah. Locking your wife in a locker. Yeah. Uh, oh you would lock Elizabeth in the house for six days when you went on drum as, you know. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Scorsese, get on that right now. Do your Macho Man. But you're right. Thing. I mean, Andre had a. I mean, that's, that's a movie it's almost impossible to make, you know. Oh, it's, absolutely. Number one, you couldn't find an actor without massive uses of CGI to capture right. him. I mean, the guy was, was such a huge, huge, huge. Well, if, yeah. they took, if they figured out a way to use Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis could play him. He could play anyone. He could play anyone. He could play but, anyone. I mean, the guy's life is, I mean, it's... No, he, he, could, play, he, couldn't yeah. play, he couldn't play Macho Man. No. No. Daniel Day-Lewis couldn't play Macho Man. No. No. You'd have to work out. I mean, these guys are huge, larger than life figures on every level. Can you imagine anybody playing Hulk Hogan, for example? Like, and there's probably a lot of material to draw from on his personal like life Hulk at this Hogan point. Hogan would be easier to play than than somebody like Macho Man because I think Macho Man was so distinct mm-hmm. in mm. the way he spoke, the way he yeah. moved, his mannerisms. I mean. There is such a unique... Macho Man was an artist. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> no, I am serious. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's funny when you say it, but if you read about the guy, the guy took what yeah. he did to extremely a... seriously. He did? Yeah, yeah he did. And, and almost, I mean, he, that I mean, was his voice. Hulk Hogan had a stinking reality show. Yeah. Right. Okay, enough said. Yeah, that's true. Enough he said. did. He did. But this... Macho Man made his own rap album. And that's <laughs> you can find it on YouTube, gang. It's called Be a Man by Randy Savage. Incredible. You should be able to look for it. I, that's essential viewing and you know, for listening. It's great. Um, <laughs> this might be the first time, I can honestly say, the first podcast in history where we've tied together 
Raging Bull and Scorsese <laughs> and the Macho Man Randy Savage. And you I know, love it. Well, and I'm proud there. of that fact. I, I, I congratulations, I boys. Macho I, Man. I mean, I think Rocky's the bridge there. Yeah, if you think about it. It is. Oh, that's how you, that's the you tie-in. Go from, you go from you go from the uh, the gritty real life Jake LaMotta boxer to a fictional boxer, and yeah. it leads right into you know Thunder Lips and. What? You know, well, you know what? Perfect oh, yeah. segue, right? I think that's what I like about Rocky. I want to see a movie about Thunder Lips. <laughs> the, the, fic- the, the fictional fake, fake wrestler about from Rocky. Wow, that's a lot of layers. Uh, I want to do it artfully too. I want it to be like this movie right. where you. you well, you can do the son of. You can do. <laughs> so, so. You can do. You call it Lips, and it's the son of Thunder Lips. Son of Thunder Lips, <laughs> like Creed. Yeah, exactly. You can who, have would a train, whole... who would train Lips to do? Uh, Mr. T. Mr. T. <laughs> Clubber. There should be a Thunderlips trilogy, you know. Does Clubber Lane die? No, never mind. I don't want to get into a... We're getting that out. Uh, uh, this is the greatest quiet... This is the greatest <laughs> rabbit hole. Yeah. I was just going to ask if Clubber Lane dies at the end yeah. of Rocky. This is a beautiful uh, rabbit hole. One thing I like about uh, Raging Bull, this yeah. movie... Uh, is that it kind of moves away from the typical biopic cliches. Like, it really doesn't feel like a biopic. It feels like just a movie. And I kind of like that. You know, it it doesn't have to hit all these... I mean, it does hit points, but because LaMotta is not a noted figure across the board with everybody. I think hardcore boxing fans probably was were familiar yeah, with It's him, like his greatest hits of assholeness. <laughs> well, they don't they don't settle for his earliness. Right. You know, it was easy it was, in that way it's probably easier they they were able to use Lamana's book yeah. as their template. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're you're already telling this story from his point of view. Yeah. Right? In 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 that way. Well, how about And so he's he's it does feel very much like this weird ADHD sort of mm-hmm. trip down someone's <laughs> life. Yeah, it does. You it know does. what I mean? Like and who knows at that time Lamana wrote this book about himself with a helper I'm sure or whatever. But how much brain damage was involved in the actual trying to remember events and whatnot? I mean it just yeah. it, the layers are numerous and it comes through in the movie. Well, it's think it's about fantastic. It. This yeah. is based on his autobiography, which means he wrote it. Uh-huh. Which means it's which, very biased. Which is biased. Yeah. <laughs> after well, watching, this is, I after watching the movie, we think he's a terrible human being. That means that he was probably a lot worse. Because <laughs> he didn't, you know, yeah. you probably have a better opinion of yourself when you write an autobiography. Exactly. <laughs> I, I have a feeling a lot of research was done on this movie with asking other people about Jake. So was just, just taking his word for it? The unreliable narrator. You know, I don't know. When I write my autobiography, I'm just going to write about all of the bad stuff that yeah. I've done. All the bad stuff? All the bad stuff. Nothing good. Nothing good? He's not going to go down there? It's, it's going to be really short, I think. <laughs> well, that's how Scorsese will direct a movie about you, right? It'll be like Charles Barkley, who, who said he was misquoted in his own autobiography. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the one, Charles. The one thing I really do like about this, uh, about this movie, um, stylistically, is that it's very up and down. Yeah. And I think that that's very um, relative to life. Mm-hmm. That life is nothing but a series of stages and phases and you know, ups and downs. And we certainly saw that in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that that was really nice. Sometimes it drug, honestly. You know, to me, this movie drug a little bit. You know, but then the more I think about it, it's kind of like, that's how life is, you know? I mean, yeah. it's true. I'm also definitely not the target market for this movie. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to hear more about because you had mentioned that earlier yeah. too. Uh, well, you know, um, you're not the demographic. I am not the demographic um, in any way, shape, or form, and. Um, I think, you know, I respect this movie for what it is, and certainly for the things that we were talking about throughout um, the conversation this afternoon, but it's probably not, you know, my favorite Scorsese film, but I think that's also kind of relative to the fact that this is not my era of Scorsese, mm. you know? So I think given mm -hmm. that, it probably makes sense, too, um, and also just the fact that this is, like I said, it's just it's like a guy's guy movie, you know? Mm. It just... And I think because the character himself is like a guy's guy. Um, so it was a little bit hard for me to, to latch on to or to connect with any of the characters because the women I felt so sorry for. Oh. You know? I Honestly, mean, I, I, I could see how people would not connect with these characters at all, actually. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I could see how most people would have zero frame of reference. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are, to me, they're so uh, gritty and dirty and, and just... Yeah. Base emotions and just, I mean, to me, when I saw those characters, I was reminded at growing up the a lot of the construction helpers that would were in and out of my dad's and my grandfather's lives. My grandfather and my dad were in business for years and years, and <clears throat> my grandfather, I, Back in the 60s and 70s, he would hire guys right out of prison. Oh, wow. Really. And so, I mean, I, I grew up around mm -hmm. this kind, these kind of people, you know. And they're, they're very, yeah, they work like dogs and mm -hmm. not show up for a couple of days because <laughs> right. they're on a bender or yeah. whatever. But that's, that's just what they did, mm -hmm. yeah. you know. And there was a perfect rationale and explanation for it, according to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know that's just how it went. I didn't know people of this extreme, but growing up like in Northeast Ohio, we grew up near Youngstown, and Youngstown has that working class <laughs> mm -hmm. demographic. So I've known people, you know, probably similar to these characters. And and the city we lived in Niles it was divided between like Irish and Italian. It was a very Catholic like oriented. Yes, yeah, exactly. you, yeah. So. I've known guys like this that are mm -hmm. maybe not to the extreme that LaMotta goes in this movie, but I certainly know people that are yeah. sort of rugged. and. Oh, know, I've definitely there. seen people like this. I, actually, there's a guy that comes to mind who um, was my father's really good friend for a long time. Um, I remember when I was a little kid growing up, he had um, three children that were right around the same age as me and my two older sisters, and they lived in the same, um, in Philadelphia, we lived in like row homes. They lived on the same street, you know, in a row home, just a couple row homes down, basically, across the street from us. And this guy was like the epitome of a Scorsese character. His, mm. I, I won't say his name or anything, but he was Italian, big. Um, but him and my dad, you know, were good friends, and my mom was friends with the man's wife, and we were like family friends, you know? And all of us kids played with his kids, and that's just the way it was. Um, so I definitely... This that that guy reminds me a lot of, uh, not necessarily this character, but a lot of this type. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was really rough, especially compared to my dad. Um, but yeah, I mean, growing up in Philly, you know, you just open up your door, you never know what you're gonna get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so here's here's fun trivia for you, uh, talking about whether 
Jake LaMotta really realized how he was. Yeah. When the real Jake LaMotta saw the movie for the first time, he said it made him realize for the first time in his life what a terrible person he'd been. Wow. And he asked the real Vicky LaMotta, was I really like that? To which Vicky replied, you were worse. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. So we hit the nail wow. on the head. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Hey, that is a hard pill to swallow. Wow. You know, that's good, though. I mean, that he had a dawning point because of this movie. Uh, that he saw this. Uh, that's enough reason for this movie to be made. It showed a guy like man. That would be horrible. a great movie if you do a movie about a guy that a movie has been previously made about. That he in the movie he watches himself in the movie and he has that it question. Would, yeah. That would yeah. be interesting. That yeah. would be. Yeah. That'd be <laughs> written by Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> that, would be that would be that directed by Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> it's called. <laughs> it's called Inception. <laughs> Two. <laughs> Jake LaMotta story. <laughs> I'll see that. I'll be first in line. So what do you guys, what's your overall impression of this movie, uh, having revisited and having maybe seen it for the first time? Well, uh, I've seen this movie twice in my life. I saw it uh, with you at the Gateway Film Center, which is a big uh, independent film center. It's awesome in Columbus here. It is. And... Uh, I remember the first time I saw it, I'd always, I had, I've heard of Raging Bull forever. I mean, it's just one of those Scorsese, Robert De Niro movies that you just hear about, people talk about. And the first time I saw it, I, I think I, I enjoyed it for what it was. But after I saw it, I remembered that I didn't remember anything about this movie, very little. Um, some of it came to mind, some scenes. But then I watched it again, and I don't know. I think it's just this movie... It's just so. I think all the things that people love about this movie makes it hard for me to watch. All the things that people would, because the acting's so good, it's like hyper realistic, the way it's filmed, and um, you know, I guess I judge a movie in terms of like if you judge it on the craft of the movie. And this movie is obviously very high, and I can definitely see why sure. everybody puts it where it is. But as far as the movie, I want to go back to and watch. It's not one of those movies but I'm not you know personally I'm not one of those people that go seeks out movies I've never seen Schindler's List because I always joke like when will I ever get in a mood to sit down and watch Schindler's List because when I want to watch a movie I guess I have a hard time eating some hummus when I watch Schindler's <laughs> to sit back and get popcorn and, you know just throw popcorn in my mouth and watch that movie um, so I just can't on, think wow. of a context. Next yeah. on Cinema Wheeler Day, <laughs> oh. Schindler's List. So we have now made some really strange connections. <laughs> yeah, <we have. laughs> can you imagine? I like no when Schindler's List was in movie theaters. Can you, people with big gulps walking into that theater to watch that movie. For but some no, reason, that's weird. The funny thing I mean, is, is it oh. happened. It, it did happen. People happened. Had, went to the no concession stand and bought loads of. Crap, and feeling in there to watch Schindler's List. It's been a while since I've seen Schindler's yeah. List, but I don't know if there were moments of levity that would allow big gulps to be enjoyed. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Wow. Just chugging down a big gulp. <laughs> I'm just going to say levity's all relative. That yeah. is. It is. Wait, there's levity in Schindler's List, do you think? If you compare it to scenes before the ones you're talking about, probably. Okay. I, I've never seen it. Okay, so then you wouldn't know. So yeah, I would. I would. I've seen parts of it. <laughs> okay, any movie that's look, Schindler's List is so revered that people don't even think it 
you should have commercials when it's on TV. They run it without commercials, and they make a big deal about it. Right. I just can't, I can't give it, and how long is the movie? Two and a half hours, I'm guessing? This movie? It's been a Schindler's list, list is going to uh, be like two and a half hours. Schindler's List? It's about three hours. I'm sorry yeah. I, I got out of foot, but I guess, and this movie's not like, I, I can, I'll, I will say this movie is Big Gulp friendly. <laughs> if you want to drink a Big Gulp and watch this movie. This movie will probably make you hungry because of all the eating. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. eat popcorn and enjoy this movie. So yeah. on that recommendation, go ahead, you gorge yourself. Tins. You can, tings. Tings. you can eat teens. You can eat teens. I I I eat teens. What kind of teens do you eat? I eat all kinds of teens. <laughs> I know about the teens you eat. Yeah. So with that said, two stars. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the clarity. Oh, wow. Okay. So before Scott went off on the Schindler's List tangent, yeah. I pretty much agree with with what he um, had to say. I've only ever seen the film once, um, and that was in review of the podcast here. Um, so it was not that long ago that I saw it. Um, and yeah, I, I have to agree with you know a lot of what Scott said. I, I respect the film for reasons we've talked about. I certainly see great qualities in it, you know, in the cinematography and in the direction and the art and the style of it. Um, but to sit down and say, hey, it's a Saturday night. Let's watch a movie. I don't think I would pick Raging Bull. Um, I'm sorry, John. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and I'm, I'm smiling because I've actually done that. <laughs> <laughs> He went and got a big gulp. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to watch Raging Bull again. I don't have anything to do. Me too. <laughs> I mean, I probably will go home and watch this now. <laughs> and follow up with Schindler's exactly List. Exactly. Yeah. Fuck Schindler's List. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, of course, earlier in the podcast, I kind of divulged and, you know, said a little bit of what I thought about it. But overall, I definitely see the appeal, um, especially for at the, at the time, you know, during the time. And I... And I you see um, from a cinematography standpoint, you know, where it would be a really critically acclaimed movie and, and a lot of those different elements of the um, the script, the screenplay, the direction, and all of those the things. The score is good, too. The yeah, score. the score was good. Um, yeah. The acting was phenomenal, and, and I love Scorsese, so the direction, I think, was brilliant. It's just, I, I think it's just the topic and, and stuff that... It's just Content. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, but aside from all of that, I do think it's a really, a really, you know, good film. Yeah, I mean, I actually do really like this movie, and uh, for me, it's gulp, big gulp friendly. <laughs> so I, I, that should I can be the official. We yeah, should, <laughs> the official cinema we would say it's brand instead of Rotten Tomatoes. This is big gulp friendly. Big gulp, boom! I can eat popcorn in front of it and enjoy all the grittiness <laughs> and domestic abuse. This is and, milk done suitable. Yeah, you know, I'm that way. I roll that way. Uh, I, I love, I love early. Gritty Scorsese, like I just seventies, eighties Scorsese for me is is great cinema. I don't. This is not my favorite Scorsese film, but that's like saying this is not my favorite Beatles record. You right. know what I mean? Like it's still yeah. a great movie. It's Absolutely. still a masterwork. A Taxi Driver happens to be my favorite. Is but... this the Yellow Submarine soundtrack? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, the Yellow Submarine soundtrack is still better than the Leo movies. Yeah, oh, oh, that's wow, not a side tangent wow. for me. Yeah, yeah. Is this Sergeant Pepper's? This is probably up. This is Sergeant Pepper. This is close. What others consider Taxi Driver's Revolver, which is my favorite Beatles record, yeah. and this uh, would be the Sergeant Pepper. Still a great album that I love. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Would Departed be the white album? That's a good. Album? 
Which one? Departed be the white album? No, the Departed. The Departed would be a very flawed movie that half one major flaw had been removed from it yeah. and replaced by a, a better actor. For me, I'd, I'd enjoy uh, it. <laughs> Sean doesn't like Leo. No, no. Gangs in New York is. Uh, Meet the Beatles. <laughs> that's that's right. Gangs in New York. After Hours is probably the Yellow Submarine soundtrack. It's an obscure <laughs> gem that I think everybody should should watch. Don't get me started on the Color of Money. I don't know what the analogs would be for that, but oh, that's, I love that movie. Actually, yeah, that's definitely. Uh, I'm a big Newman fan, yeah. though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in general, like I love this movie. Like uh, I think De Niro is absolutely amazing in it. I think Pesci's. Amazing! Especially I mean, brilliant. from being one of his first films. I know. Mm-hmm. I love the scene where they confront each other. I heard things with the hoagie. See, oh, yeah. there's there's yeah. a lot of food. Oh, just That's the fact why it's that big golf friendly. Hoagie makes me want to go to Philly. Yeah, oh. yeah. The hoagie and the TV mm-hmm. and. You know, that's like a right at Philly, the middle. they got kings. They got hoagies. What kind of things they got? What kind of things they got? and pretzels. The side note of that scene, too, is like he's buying a TV. That's a big deal in the 50s. That's a huge oh, status yeah. symbol oh, thing. That's why that's such a significant thing. he never fixes thing. it. He never gets it working. Yeah. No. Because he gets mad. He's just sitting there in front of it. And... Yeah, it's, it's... Well, because he's so... His, yeah. Know, yeah. I also like the... It's odd to say this, but... There's a lot of humor in Scorsese's films. It's not overt, jokey humor. It's observational humor. And, mm-hmm. and it's throughout this movie, just like even the more intense scenes, there's always levels of humor going on with it. Because I think he does have a sense of humor. And all his movies have that quality. And that adds to the realism for me. Yep. Because real life, there are funny things happening even in the most intense situations. It's just life doesn't fall into oh these God. dramatic arcs like that. Absolutely. You know? When my dad, growing up, because my dad is the classic you know, Sicilian-Italian, he got, gets the temper when he gets mad, I used to laugh when yeah. he was angry because the stuff he would say and like, the look on his face and how he'd throw his hands up. and You have met my dad, Scott. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I would giggle. And then he'd get more mad at me. You know, I, it isn't funny. And then I'd start laughing even more because then... By the end of it, I'd have him laughing because he'd realize how silly yeah. he looked, you know. Yeah. I'd get a kick out of that. Anyway, That's awesome. Sorry, I didn't mean to go off there. No, but no, it, 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 it backs up the point, which is like humor is needed in these these movies, yeah. I think, and, and this observational humor. So I, I love this. I think it's definitely one of Scorsese's, like, probably in my top five favorite Scorsese films mm-hmm. for sure, maybe top three. But uh, certainly, certainly up there and certainly something I, I, that gets better with each repeated viewing. Mm-hmm. And I'd say you're probably in that same... Well, uh, for me, this is one of my all-time favorite movies, period. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rank this in my top two or three top movies of all time. Where does this rank after Fern Gully? Is that... <laughs> That's a tough one, man. You know, what I would do is watch Raging Bull and then watch Fern Gully right after <laughs> Or Mary Poppins. Yeah. I love Mary Poppins. Who doesn't love Mary Poppins? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But for me, what this what this movie did for me was change even what I thought filmmaking could be. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, content aside, which which I'm perfectly fine with the content. Actually, I I mean I love it. I I um, but but to see what Scorsese does with with sound and and the silence and the black and white and just mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's it's riveting you can i just it's like watching a train wreck you just mm-hmm. can't look away right yeah. and that's how i look at what what you know his life was like in this movie um i i, I can't there there's it yeah 
have a hard time expressing myself about this movie because it's so <laughs> damn good. Yeah. Um, That's a tough thing to say when you're, you're an actor. <laughs> I have a tough time expressing myself. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, I, I don't know exactly the intent on some of this, but it seems like it's it was pretty clear that that they they're able to tap into very very deep base human emotions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think that's yeah. that's what is required of someone who is who puts their life literally on the line when they step into you know the boxing ring absolutely you know these things come up and you're that's you're right there and yeah. you're facing life and death um, and really Here's a man who, uh, you know, much later in life, never even realized what a what a jerk he was, right? Right. Yeah. 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 You know, so so to me, that's just that's stunning that someone could be that unaware. Mm-hmm. Lack you of self awareness. Oh, you know, it is. It coincides with narcissism. It, it really does. It does. I know a lot of people. Absolutely. Not on the level of Lamada, where they're intensely violent, and there's that violent streak, which I also think is a boxing thing. We Absolutely. expect these guys to go in the ring and beat the shit out of yeah. each other, but then to be civilized when they get out of the ring, and well, that's and a that's, hard thing that's to balance. That's where I think you yeah. know they didn't. They like like we were talking earlier. They pulled no punches on that. That's how it was. They didn't apologize mm-hmm. for showing their no. life. Right. Like that. No. It was beautiful. Um, it is. You know, and, and the, you were talking about the humor, Sean, around these things. I think they, that he tapped into the Bronx humor. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know, which which is very acquired. It is. Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. It's su- There's some subtlety to it. You know, um, Kathy Moriarty pulls off, to me, one of the most subtle, nuanced performances of anybody in this movie. Mm-hmm. And she she really comes across in some ways very, you know, especially you compare her to Pesci and to De Niro. Yeah, she's very reserved, very mm-hmm. laid back. A lot of her deliveries are monotone in, in certain ways. But then you, when you really start to listen, it's like she's bringing you in because she's talking so much, right? Yeah. Ugh, well, and she also has just... those moments where she snaps. Yeah. And then we get that flavor of the Bronx. That's right. The, you know, the Bronx beat, so to speak. and She's kind of a mystery in this, with mm-hmm. the filmmaker's point of view and Malamada's point of view. She's, Agreed. She is because you, you don't, you don't it, Well, uh, I, yeah. Right. Because you don't, it doesn't come across as if, well, she's a victim. She doesn't come across as, exactly, yeah. like, she's, you know, perpetrator either. You know, you're really left to decide all on your own. And, and the first time I saw this movie, I was just literally stunned. Um, just by the performances alone. Yeah. So it took me days afterwards to kind of put together even what happened in the movie, the sum of the story. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think also the reason that she could be, and this is getting a little psychological, which I tend to do and like to do, (laughs) but I think that also, too, why she might be portrayed as someone of a mystery in the movie is my guess is she was portrayed that way in the book, which is just another confirmation of the fact that this man was so narcissistic and self-absorbed that he couldn't even describe his wife in his book. He was so busy just doing nothing but elaborating on himself. Um, and also, I wondered, maybe did he really know his wife? Because was he ever home? Was he ever around? Did he ever take the time to really get to know her? 
um, or was he just so consumed with his own life and the things that were happening in that moment in time that, you know, it's like that old adage, you never really know who you're sleeping next to kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like, did he really ever take the time to get to know this woman? Yeah, and I think his insecurity comes out of his guilt that he felt exactly. like that he, either he, he never, he didn't think he ever deserved her, mm-hmm. or he, um, he was never going to be good enough for some reason. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't know what that reason well, ever is. Well, he was always afraid of losing her, and I think it was because when they first met, he went after her. She was yeah. the token that he wanted, you know? He was mm-hmm. very in, enthralled with her, and then once he finally got her... Obviously, we know he didn't treat her well, and he knew that. I mean, there's no way the man could go to sleep at night not realizing he didn't treat people well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so I think that was also why he was so insecure about her talking with other men, is he was afraid he was going to lose her, because, yeah, maybe he knew he didn't deserve her. Well, he's purely a, so- a chauvinist to oh, begin yeah. with, and he oh, divides yeah. women into virgins and whores. You're either a virgin or you're mm-hmm. a whore. Yeah. There's You can't be a complex, three-dimensional human being in that state that's there's layers you're either this or that he looked at it in black and white which is maybe a good reason why this film's in black and white is like that's how Lamana perceives the world part of the the you know the parlance of their he was a product of the times too Mm -hmm. yeah how he how he viewed women how women were treated Mm -hmm. but also you know coming from the world that he came from with boxing and uh Mm-hmm. You know the 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 religion mm-hmm. and is mm-hmm. very black and white. In right, ways like that. I mean, Honeymooners so. is drawing from the same era. I mean, it just they yep. made it into a comedy there, which is like one of these days, Alice Powell. and Powell to the moon. Yeah. Lamada <laughs> goes in a different avenue with it. You know, it's uh, it's a very complex movie. I mean, the more we're talking about it, the more I'm realizing, wow, there's so many layers to these characters. Mm-hmm. And, it is and it isn't at the same time. I think when he yeah. said it, it gives yeah. you very base emotions, I think a lot of the point is like, oh yeah, this is how I feel, and there's no there's no ambiguity on how you feel. Yeah. I think the characters obviously are complex, and you can look into it, but I think he directed it pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's clear, it's like, he's like, he, like you said, he pulled no punches. Like, he directed him as if, you know, he wasn't, he didn't provide any uh, scenes in which you could say, Oh, that's why Jake Lamont is the way. That's he is. right. Yeah, and, never. And, the, and the, exactly. any of the psychological analysis is not necessary. Yeah, exactly. You can do it, but, but it's yeah. definitely not necessary yeah. in order to really appreciate it. I don't of this. think it was directed that way. I think the actors yeah. maybe brought. I don't think Scorsese directed it necessarily to. I think on purpose. And I think that even draws more speculation psychologically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't seem like, like you said, he didn't direct it pretentiously, you know. Although he did like things with like the fights. Each fight is done in a different stylistic way, and it is in black and white. And there is a, 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 a storytelling structure that's not, you know, typical, I would say. Um, but um, it definitely, um, you know, for somebody like myself who, who is a firm believer in. And, you know, people don't just do and say things because there's a reason why they're doing and saying things. There's a motive behind it, whether it's from childhood or an experience they had or whatever the case is. These emotions and and these experiences that have happened in our past and present ultimately kind of decide how we act, I think, and and how we interact with other people. And so when I was watching this movie, a lot of it, especially in the very beginning, because it starts off with his first wife, the scene with him yelling about the steak, 
and I'm, I'm just thinking, why is he doing this? Why is he like this? Like, I understand he's a boxer, but something had to happen to make him go, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I was, it was driving me kind of crazy, like, mm -hmm. not being able to pinpoint what his motives were, and aside from just being narcissistic and an angry boxer, you know, just like, why is he doing this? There's something that had to happen to him that's making him treat people this way. Maybe his dad abused the mom, you know? It was right. passed down, you know, you think of all those different things, and... But again, I think that's just another one of the brilliances of Martin Scorsese of trying to keep it simplistic and leaving it up to the audience to, to figure it out for themselves, whatever they're Well, saying. I don't know. I mean, they're going in that scene. They're back and forth. She's giving it right back to yeah. him. Yeah. To me, I look at it like it's almost like they're foreplay. Mm -hmm. But yeah. also, think, to of be it, honest think of it this, John. They could have been married for four or five years at that point. She could have been, had it with him. Could be. Do you know what to I mean? Me, don't know. But that, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, you can exactly. interpret that scene many exactly. different ways. I look at that yeah. like that was a day in their life. Yeah. Well, it definitely and was. And to me, that's like yeah. fast. That wow. That's yeah. how they live. Yeah, and it's it's shocking, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and I know it, it it throws you off, but it's real. I mean, this is exactly what happened with mm -hmm. these characters, and he's giving it warts and all, and letting you react to it, which I like. He respects the viewer to make their own. You yeah. know, impression, their own opinion on the situation. Yeah. Which, yep. even though most people are going to lean a certain way, he still lets it play itself out. Well, uh, one of the best ways I've always recommended this at the end of each podcast. The best way, I think, to watch a movie outside of a theater is on Blu-ray, hmm. which is a great image. And Raging Bull is on Blu-ray. You, in particular, John, I think would love the Blu-ray because there's a lot of special features going into the making of the film and a great commentary by Scorsese. That plays throughout the movie, just kind of giving you an overview of how they nice. you filmed everything. Yeah, cool. A lot of great in-depth special features with it. It was released, I think, in 2009, and I own a copy, so I can vouch for how great. And it great, looks great on Blu-ray. I mean, the black and white aesthetic is looks that beautiful. That's uh, the DVD we oh, have okay. right here. I, I was going to say. Uh, my brother doesn't have access always to a Blu-ray, so I had to bring the DVDs over for gotcha. them, you know. Thankfully, I'm handy that way. <laughs> How many people can you count on for both formats? Four formats. <laughs> for different movies. <laughs> I, have, well I have at my disposal. Well done, Sean. Lee. That's right. That's what I'm here for. He bought the DVD. Not, he's like, Sean. 10, like, 20 years he, ago, and now it's, you know. When he bought this DVD, he's like, well, technology won't ever improve. So this <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. Every time he buys a new, he bought the Blu-ray, he's like, this is it. <laughs> I'm gonna keep cap it off right here. It's not getting. It's not. There's no, there's oh else. shit! There's another. He brought it home. We've reached the pinnacle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's the video cassette. Oh ladies and gentlemen, technology has advanced to the point I can't advance no longer. Five years later, ladies and gentlemen, technology has advanced. I have the Blu-ray. We used to get these bowl. cassettes at the Look Giant at this. Eagle. It's on high eight resolution. Remember Laserdisc? Yeah. Oh, yeah. do I ever. I do. <laughs> I have never actually seen a movie on Laserdisc. Nor have I. Nor have I. Well, maybe I have. I've seen I them have. at the store. They look like albums for movies, essentially, yeah. is what they, they look like. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, thanks a lot for joining us today, John. Oh, this was a great thanks, podcast. Guys. Thanks for having me out. I, yeah, I know that Fake Bacon's performing regularly. Where can we find you in general with Well, if, if you want to find uh, Fake Bacon, you can find us down at the Short North Stage, down at the... Uh, the uh, Garden Theater. Mm -hmm. um, we're down there uh, the last Tuesday of every month. Um, and uh, you can also catch Fake Bacon over at Jimmy V's in Grandview um, on the uh, second Thursday of every month as well. 
Um, we per periodically perform at um, Improv Wars, uh, some other venues at Mad Lab and whatnot around town. Um, so yeah, come check us out. Awesome. So Answer. now I heard Joe Pesci saw fake bacon. I'm curious, <laughs> what did what did he have to say about you guys? Because I think that the group is really talented. Fake bacon. <laughs> you know, I, I I sing better improv is that uh, they're they're by, at my own house. I don't know you. What the fuck are you talking? About? <laughs> oh well, I guess. What do you think they're so fucking funny, Tony? I guess I was misunderstood. I oh yeah, you yeah, you're misunderstood. Listen, I heard yeah, you King heard things. What things did you hear? I heard that you, you heard things. What? Liked them. Oh yeah. You liked them. Well, we. You know what? What? I did like them. I thought you did. I'm just giving you a hard time about it. I like it when guys give me a hard time. Oh, I bet you do. You like getting a hard time, man. Uh, wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Hey. Yeah, now I'm waiting for the Macho Man version of that, too. So, you know. she gets lucky on Cinema Wheeler Day. That's right. Thanks a lot, everybody, for joining you, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. That's not what I heard, Joe. What do you mean, that's not what you heard? It's not what I heard. Well, what'd you hear? I heard some things. You heard about me and Salvi? I heard we... things, Joey. Yeah, you heard that I cracked Salvi all around. What'd you things, hear? Joey. I heard things. What things you heard? I heard some things. Hey, you heard things. You want to worry? Don't start that worrying shit. You know what you should worry about? Worry you got this title fight next month. That's what you should worry about.